Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our study on tattoo, body modification, and piercing. This is part four. I'm hoping this will be the final part. I still have a lot to cover. So, without further ado, this next part is entitled Tattoo, a Mark of Disgrace or Reproach. Steve Gilbert, in the very popular pro-tattoo book, Tattoo History, a source book, documents that even the word tattoo means a mark of disgrace or reproach. That's what it means. The Latin word for tattoo was stigma. Now, we also have that word, like, there's a stigma surrounding a certain subject, okay? Okay, so, it means stigma, which was the original meaning is reflected in modern dictionaries. Among the definitions of stigma listed by Webster are a prick with a pointed instrument, a distinguishing mark cut into the flesh of a slave or a criminal, uh, a mark of disgrace or reproach. And now that's, again, this, these are secular sources documenting, documenting tattoos. This was from Tattoo History, a source book, page 15. Here's another. This is from Art, Sex, and Symbol, page 162. Uh, well, I'll read that quote in a second. In fact, for most of its slimy history, the tattoo was used to mark the criminal. Adulterers and traitors, dissenters, deviants, and outcasts. The tattoo was a dreaded mark of reproach and disgrace. From that quote I was going to read, it says, quote, Adultery was also punished in this way. Tattooing in some parts of Britain in bad characteristics uh, were marked B.C., meaning literally the letters B.C. In 1717, branding was abolished by the army and replaced with tattooing with the letter D for dissenter. So it was a mark of a disgrace or reproach. Okay, It was a punishment, in other words. Here's another sore, tattoo source. Um, as, late, as late in the early 1900s, the tattoo was so far out of bounds, in the early 1900s, the tattoo was so far out of bounds of normal, civilized society, the tattooed were mainly found freaking people out as an attraction in a circus sideshow freak act. That was as recently as the early 1900s. That's the only time you would see a tattoo in a sideshow freak act. But, uh, this is from Everything You Need to Know About the Dangers of Tattooing and Body Piercing, page 17. It says, by 1897, tattooing had reached the United States. 1897. Where it immediately became a circus sideshow attraction. That was the only place you could really find it. Uh, here's another quote from Tattoo History, a source book. The popularity of tattooing during the latter part of the 19th century and the first half of the 20th century owed much to the circus. We can always say, you know, the circus is a wonderful thing, you know. Carnality, I mean, the carnival, and that word means carny, flesh. Feed the flesh, you know. Which is essentially, you know, what goes on. So anyway, um... Taylor wanted me to let you know that they also abuse and beat animals at a lot of the uh, fair, carnival-type settings, or circus, I should say, type settings. Okay, you probably do a whole study on that, but anyway, uh, let's see here. Not too long ago, tattoos were considered so rebellious and, and disgusting to most people, they compared a tattoo to filthy pornography. This is in the book... Uh, one of the sources that I cited, and it says, quote, In a society that considers nudity as dirty, indecent and subversive, or morality, it is not surprising that decorations of the body are allocated to the same category. Okay, and that book was written in 1974. Even in the barbaric and immoral ancient Greek and Roman, uh, Roman societies, the tattoo was considered barbaric and used primarily to mark slaves and criminals. It is interesting they promoted slavery and other forms of depravity, but felt tattoos were barbaric. <laughs> what does that testify of today's barbaric Christian tattooing craze? Is the next step in Christian depravity slavery? Um, this is a tattoo history source book. It says, quote, Respectable Greeks and Romans did not indulge in decorative tattooing, which they associated with barbarians. The Greeks, however, I mean, these were pagans that knew better, in other words. The Greeks, however, learned the technique from the Persians and used it to mark slaves and criminals so they could be identified if they tried to escape. It was a mark of disgrace or shame, in other words. Criminals, drug addicts, sex perverts, and social outlaws used to be the overwhelming majority of the tattoo. Statistics, both old and recent, clearly reveal tattoos are largely worn by rebellious and deviant. In addition to being a form of self-destruction, the tattoo seals the wearer off from the rest of normal society forever. Now, this is a quote from Appetite for Destruction, The Days of Guns and Roses, page 40. 
So let me just start again. In addition to being a form of self-destruction, the tattoo seals the wear off from the rest of society forever. It's not all that surprising to note that the that the largest number of tattooed in Japan belong to the underworld. And in America, tattoos are most prevalent either in jailed or hard rock bands. You know. it's uh, The red, red flags are just endless with this. Another source says it was an ancient Japanese tradition to tattoo convicted criminals. Another source reads a study of young offenders in West Coast of, um, West Coast of America concluded that delinquents tattoo themselves significantly more often than non-delinquents, and that the inclination develops at an early age without any thought for the future. Another source reads, in the Borstal institutions, meaning the prisons, I believe this is in Australia or New Zealand, in the Borstal institutions it has been estimated that the incidence of tattooing can be as high as 75% in the prisons. Uh, comprehensive studies performed in Denmark reveal the following enlightening statistics concerning tattoos. 42% of people have tattoos in short-term detention, uh, short-term detention facilities. Uh, For young men with behavioral difficulties, 60% of them were tattooed. For young men in prisons, 72% of them were tattooed. And for the general prison population, it was 52%. And that was in 1974 this book was written on this particular source. So who knows what it is now. Uh, The same Denmark study also discloses that less than 4.8% of the general population were tattooed. Investigations by law enforcement officials also came to the conclusion that, quote, the presence of ornamental body tattoos could serve to indicate the existence of personality tattoos personality disorders, which are liable to manifest themselves in criminal behavior. See, even the law enforcement know that, that when you have these tattoos, there's a higher, like, much higher likelihood that they're going to manifest in criminal behavior. Uh, and again, this is all reference sources that I'm quoting from. Another reference source. Therefore, many authorities linking tattooing with aggression, anti-authoritism, it cannot be disputed that gangs and delinquents, juvenile or otherwise, display massive evidence of aggression. According to a study after study, a tattoo so so personifies and establishes a rebellious atmosphere that one of the most important steps in prison rehabilitation is the removal of the tattoo. According to many serious studies, a tattoo is linked so strongly to criminal behavior and delinquency that without question, the mere decoration of a tattoo inherently contributes to the criminal's behavior pattern. Uh, Another source reads, quote, "This, this, meaning tattoos is one of the problems behind prison rehabilitation. Hence the reason why some plastic surgeons associated with the prison service are prepared to spend an enormous amount of time removing tattoos, especially those on exposed areas, because I guess they realized how important it is to get it off them. Uh, the famous architect Adolf Luce, who studied the connection to tattoos and crime, blatantly wrote, quote, Tattooed men who are not behind bars, are either latent criminals or degenerate aristocrats. If someone who is tattooed dies in freedom, then he does he does so a few years before he would have committed murder. I mean, I think that's a little strong, but that's the conclusion he came to. That was a book uh, that was actually came out in 1962. So, studies have linked tattoos to homosexuality, lesbianism, and gross sexual perversion as well. To be fair, this is another quote from Art, Sex, and Symbol, 1974. To be fair to those who maintain that tattooing is linked to homosexuality, investigations conducted in a New Zealand borstal, which I believe is a prison, for girls, revealed that of the 60% that were tattooed, these are the these are girls in New, uh, in a, uh, a uh, New Zealand detentional facility, and this must have been prior to 1974. Who knows how bad it is today? that they did a study and it revealed that 60% of the tattooed girls and 90% um, no, 60% were actually tattooed and 90% admitted, and I believe 90% of those 60% admitted to lesbian behavior during corrective treatment. So there's another gigantic, huge red flag. The link to homosexuality, lesbianism, and all kind of gross sexual perversion. It's all linked and and related. 
Yet further analysis indicated the ratio of aggression to the number of tattoos, and that most of the heavily tattooed girls were, were totally unstable and insecure, and tended to take on the masculine role of their sexual encounters. Not too long ago, I saw some clip of this. It was like a, one of those scared straight ones, and they brought all these young girls into a woman's prison in America? Oh my. I was like, you should have saw these women. They were tattooed all over their faces, and you obviously had the bull, uh, lesbian, aggressive types in there that kind of ruled the roost, and they were the big intimidators. I mean, they... They took on the role of like a domineering man. And they were, without a doubt, every one of them were just massive amounts of tattoos on them. And they were all lesbians. And basically everybody in the prison, I think, was was a lesbian at this point. And these girls, they were trying to scare them straight, you know, through these demon-possessed women. And I think hopefully to a certain extent it might have helped. I don't know. I mean, obviously it wasn't through the Lord Jesus Christ, but I think they got the point. But that just goes to show you that it's gotten even way, way, way worse. These, you, honestly, I thought they were men. I was watching, I'm like thinking, that can't be a woman. There is no semblance of femininity. It is all totally gone. I mean, shade bald, uh, tattoos all over, big, you know, usually very overweight or, or, you know, really big, just, Oh, my word. I mean, it was unbelievable. I guess that's the norm in today's prison systems. I I don't know what else to think. Um, So, it's said that those most heavily tattooed girls were unstable and insecure and tended to take on the masculine role in their sexual encounters. Yet more wonderful fruit from tattoos. Uh... This is another source, and it says associated with tattoos among these conditions are impulsiveness, low self-esteem, lack of self-control, homosexual orientation, sexual sadomasochism, bondage, fetishism, bisexuality, lesbianism, antisocial personality, borderline personality disorder, uh, schizophrenic personality disorder, mania and bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia. And this is from a medical source entitled Psychiatric implications of tattoos. American Family Physician. The full reference is right there. I mean, this is what they're openly admitting to. Studies also show that self-inflicted tattoos are frequently associated with people with personality disorders, troubled backgrounds, and self-mutilation tendencies. You are self-mutilating yourself when you get a tattoo. Just like the maniac at, you know, the gatherings was cutting himself with a rock, you're just, you're just marking your body, you know, when you get a tattoo, you're, you're, you're bloodletting, you're marking your body. It's just a different way of doing it. Let's go further here. Uh, evidence indicates that the mere presence of a tattoo, not its artistic content, that that is what correlates with certain diagnoses. Thus, any tattoo can be viewed as a warning sign that should alert the practicing physician to look for underlying psychiatric conditions. And this was, this was the same uh, physi- uh, psych- psychiatric implications of tattoos, American Family Physician, uh, 1990. So they knew this you know, a long time ago. Another source says, studies suggest that people with personality disorders frequently have multiple small tattoos. It's adopt a demon. You're, you're, you're gonna, and the more you get, the more you know, unstable you're going to become. Another source says, research clearly indicates the presence of tattooing was often indicative of a deprived and troubled background. End of quote. Uh, This goes on to say, I know what some are thinking. Sure, in the past, tattoos were linked to criminals, depravity, and immoral behavior, but not today. Today, the tattoo is worn by celebrities, athletes, politicians, and business people. It's adorned in high fashion magazines and sport magazines. There's absolutely no data to even remotely suggest tattoos are linked to criminal or moral behavior now. No, sir. Today's tattoo is high fashion and cool. Well, let's see about that. The very comprehensive study and analysis of tattoos was recently published in April of 2001. The study was performed by Dr. Timothy Roberts, a pediatrician at University of Rochester Children's Hospital. The detailed analysis was taken from the study of 6,072 young people ages 11 to 21 from all over the United States, from all different ethnic groups 
from all economic and social backgrounds. In other words, very thorough and reliable data models were constructed for the study. In fact, the study is probably the most comprehensive and conclusive analysis of tattoos ever conducted. According to this study, today's tattooed young people are four times more likely to engage in sexual intercourse, two times more likely to experience alcohol-related problems, two times more likely to use illegal drugs, two times more likely to express violent behavior, and two times more likely to drop out of high school. Uh, Tattooing in adolescence was significantly associated with sexual intercourse, substance use, violence, and school problems. So, nothing's changed, in other words. This is another source, and it says, The conclusion, permanent tattoos have strong associations with high-risk behaviors in adolescents. The presence of tattoos during examination of an adolescent should prompt in-depth analysis for high-risk behavior. It is worth mentioning Dr. Roberts himself has a tattoo, and before the study, the study that we just cited, Dr. Roberts admittedly believed that people with tattoos were unfairly stereotyped. One of the purposes of his study was to prove that very point, that they were unfairly stereotyped. After the overwhelming results, though, Dr. Roberts admitted, quote, I was more than a little surprised at the result. Well, at least he was fair and objective. You know, I, I hope he was. But, because, um, you know, maybe it was a lot worse. I don't know. But he was even a little surprised at the result. After evaluating the data, Dr. Roberts says, quote, a tattoo is a sign that doctors, parents, teachers ought to be asking about the teenager's behavior. Now, here, here's my favorite part. But wasn't Jesus a rebel? I hear this rebel party line from Christians who get, you know, tattoos. The guy writing the article. And <laughs> Christians would say something like, quote, Hey dude, yeah man, I'm a rebel just like Jesus. Yeah man, he was the real rebel. He rebelled against the system, man. Yeah man, he's the ultimate rebel. Man, like, that's why I know where, uh, why I wear my tattoos. I'm rebelling against the system, end of quote. Heavily tattooed, sunny of the Rastafarian Christianity and God knows what else punk rock metal band, POD, which stands for Payable on Death, which I just did a whole expose on them in that Luciferian study. Um, He says, um, Jesus Christ was the first rebel and the first punk rocker. That's what this Payable on Death POD Christian band the lead singer, good old Sonny, had to say about Jesus Christ. That he was the first rebel and the first punk rocker. Talk about no fear of God. I mean, they're Rastafarian, that band. I I did a full expose. I mean, Rastafarian pots smoking, wearing dreadlocks. They're as wicked as they come. They're the ones that have the triquetra symbol in their logo, which is what's on the New King James Bible. It used to be. Which is the pagan trinity. It's not the Christian trinity, it's the pagan trinity. And then good old Sonny goes on to say, We believe that Jesus was the first rebel. He was the first punk rocker going against all the rest of it. What a blasphemous little devil. No fear of God whatsoever. He will have it someday though. He'll have it someday. But it's most likely going to be too late. Let's get something straight. The Lord Jesus Christ was not a rebel. The Bible is very clear. The Lord Jesus Christ was obedient unto death even the death of the cross. Uh, Philippians 2.8 And even and being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the particular verse. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that every wicked, abominable sin committed in history was going to be placed upon him, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, knowing that he was going to drink the cup of the wrath of God and in great agony, his sinless Um, sweat was dropping, as it were, great drops of blood, even then. But thank God, thank God, he did not rebel, as he prayed, not my will, but thine be done, to the Father. Um, So, then it goes on to say in the Bible, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my, my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him in heaven, and strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Luke twenty two forty two through 44. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ was against the world system and the system, but it was because the world was the rebel, not the Lord Jesus Christ. See, they got everything mixed up here. Thank God he was obedient to the will of God. 
the world, the flesh, and the devil rebelled and is rebelling against the word of God to this present day, just like anyone that disgraces themselves with a God-forbidden tattoo. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ was not a rebel? If Jesus Christ rebelled one second, one thought, one sin, there would be no hope. In other words, meaning he wouldn't have been sinless and he couldn't have bore the sins of all mankind if he wasn't sinless. That's the point they're trying to make there. Aren't you glad Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died for you on Calvary? Well, amen, praise the Lord. Defiling the temple of the living God. Most Christians, even the most carnal and backslidden, would never desecrate or defile a local church building. Even amongst even among most lost people, there is a reverence and sacredness to the church building. But did you know, if you're truly born again, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you, according to John 14, 17, and Romans 8, 9, and 11. And your body is the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 makes this very clear, where it says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, God owns us lock, stock, and barrel. We don't have a right to go out and just do whatever we want to with our body or to our body. Meaning, you know, body modification and and piercings and ever uh, tattoos and all this other garbage. Um, And then it goes on to say, And did you know the Lord warned several times of the seriousness of defiling the temple of God, your body? In 1 Corinthians 3, the Lord clearly and sternly warns against defiling your body, the temple of God. If any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. And let's just read those. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 16-17. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Now that's not to say, like, the Lord couldn't forgive you. But I mean, if you're like getting... You know, as a Christian, you're getting these tattoos, you're made light, you're, you're shown the truth, and you're like, well, I don't care. Okay, I won't get any more, but I don't regret getting the ones I got. Or You're not, that's not repentance. That's just like defiance. That's just rebellion. You know, I mean, hopefully this teaching would convince you of that. Um, so, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple are ye? I mean, the Bible even talks about partaking of the Lord's Supper unworthily. And that because of that, um, and I believe that's First or Second Corinthians uh, 11 is, is where it talks about that. Uh, first Corinthians 11, yes, verse um, 30, actually, I'll read it. Um, For this cause many are weak. In other words, they've partaken of the Lord's Supper unworthily because they haven't examined themselves in, in, um, to partake of the Lord's Supper, and they've done it unworthily. And... Um, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And that means they're dead in, in, the, uh, in the form of uh, English that King James has written in. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chased of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. So, again, that's verses, basically verses... Um, says, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. And that's verses... Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 through 32. So, again, there's reasons that a a born-again Christian can get killed. Okay? And, I mean, put it this way. If you were taking the Lord's Supper, and here you're getting all your Christian tattoos, and you're not even thinking it's sin, that is partaking of the Lord's Supper unworthily, and that could lead to your death, or you getting really sick, if you really are saved. Okay, I don't understand why a saved person would, would do that. I mean, maybe they're just totally been bamboozled or brainwashed or whatever. Okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. I don't know, that's between you and the Lord, but uh, you need to get right with the Lord. So let's go further. Uh, my Christian friend, you better watch and do what you do with your body. It is the temple of the holy God. You better not defile it with pagan devil-worshipping tattoos. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Uh, hath he said he shall not do it, or hath he spoken and, how sh- and, and shall he not make it good? Numbers twenty three nineteen says, "Be not deceived; God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall reap um, life everlasting." And um, that was Galatians six seven and eight. 
Every tattoo historian I've read traces the root of the tattoo to a religious paganism. Every one. Second uh, Corinthians 6, 14, and 17 warns is another warning against the tattoo. Notice the warning against the fellowshipping and the concord or agreement with Christ and Belial, which is the devil. Verse 16 is very interesting as it relates to fellowshipping with your body and the temple, uh, your body, which is the temple of the living God. Second uh, Corinthians six fourteen to seventeen reads: Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Again, if you don't think getting a tattoo is having it putting your the temple of the Holy Ghost, which lives inside you as a born again Christian, if you don't think that's a communion with darkness, getting having some Satanist put some marking or some piercing or some implant under your skin. I don't know what else I can say to you. Okay, and what concord or agreement have Christ with Belial? It's like you're making a deal with the devil. Yeah, I want that ink. Now, what do I have to do in exchange for it, Satan? Well, Satan says, well, it's it's no big problem. A demon's going to go on you from my Satanist tattoo artist, and maybe you'll get a nice big uh, communicable uh, or some sexually transmitted or some blood-borne disease from this. I mean, it's not sexually transmitted, but it could be in that genre, you know, through the blood. And um, you don't have to do anything, Satan will say to you. Just just sit there and, and receive it from my from my uh, satanic tattoo artist. And you'll get a nice demon, maybe you'll get a disease. And now you've come into a concord or an agreement with me. I mean, you're the one that set yourself in that seat to do it. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Why would you, as a born-again Christian, sit in a tattoo artist chair with some infidel, heathen, pagan, Satanist, putting this garbage on your body? I mean, every part of this verse you can apply to this. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. There again it's said again. As God has, And most people would never think about going and putting graffiti on the side of a church. Even a, even a lukewarm church, you know, even a lot of pagans wouldn't do that. But they have no problem defiling the true temple of the living God. If you are a born again Christian, the Holy Spirit resides within you, not within a church. It's the Holy Spirit divide, resides within you. That's where it resides. So, um, so as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, or don't let the unclean thing touch you. I mean, when you have one of those satanic uh, tattoo needles jabbing you, causing you to bleed, which is essentially a satanic ceremony, you're bloodletting, you're taking on a demon, you're letting something unclean touch you, and you're paying for it. And it says, uh, touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. What if you don't? What if you don't? What if you disobey this? The, the, the Lord implies, I will not receive you. If you're born again Christian, you're going to be chastened of God. Because the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards as an illegitimate son. So if you're out there and you've gotten all these supposed Christian tattoos, and you still don't think nothing's wrong with it, and you have no conviction about it, you're not saved. Because the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in you and you get away with essentially spiritual murder in a way. You're murdering yourself, really. And you have no conviction about it? You're doing all manner of wickedness and your conscience is a seared with a hot iron? Well, the Bible says in the latter time, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Somebody that can do this or listen to this report and have no conviction about it, your conscience is seared with a hot iron. And you, it may not be possible for you to be saved because the Spirit of God is not always going to strive with man forever. You just don't have you know, umpteen chances to get saved. Unless the Spirit draweth a man, the Holy Spirit, he can't be saved. And a lot of people are already, they've already passed that line. They've already crossed some imaginary line that God sets up. And if they've been rebellious over and over and over and over, now that's between them and God. I'm not judging when that is. But there will come a time when they won't be able to be saved. There's a lot of people that said, well, I'm going to get saved on my deathbed. And they wait and they wait and they wait. And then their deathbed comes around. And then the, you know, the minister goes to visit them. And he's like, I've heard this before. Eyewitness I, I accounts where the person's like, I want to get saved. But I can't. 
I can't confess the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And even if I said it, it would mean nothing to me. The Spirit is not there to draw them anymore. Their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. They, they, and again, when you go as a, as a Christian and supposedly do this, and you think this is alright, you are giving heed, you are obeying seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So, let's go further here. I realize in writing this, a lot of Christians or so-called Christians could care less what God says. They're going to do what they want to do despite any consequences. Now again, I'm not coming down on my my listeners, per se. Okay, It's not like I've had this axe to grind with my listeners. I'm just talking about in general. you know, uh, Because I don't believe most of my listeners are, are struggling with this. Okay, Maybe some are though. I don't know. Or maybe somebody you know. Uh, and I, I know my delivery is not going to appeal to everybody. But... You know, a lot of times there's no, you know, I could tiptoe around the truth, but it's kind of hard. This is so blatant. You know, I just got to give it to you the way it is. And I got to show you all the Bible verses where even if we didn't have the verse in Leviticus or or these things in Deuteronomy about cutting the flesh or, or, um, you know, marking the body. I mean, you can derive from other verses. You can look at what tattoos are associated with within the evil world system and know that they're of Satan and know that they're wrong. So let's go further. Um, there are many Christians who want to serve God more than anything. I've talked to many, many Christians who were thinking about getting a tattoo, but after showing them the satanic origin of the tattoo, they realized that this was not the will of God. And it was for those good and faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ that this was written for. Uh, Matthew twenty five twenty three says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Uh, friend, God loves you and desires more than anything that you obey and love him. He desires first of all obedience unto salvation by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, John 1, 12. And after salvation, it's his will for you to serve and love him with all your heart, body, mind, and soul. If you are truly a Christian and still have doubts about whether the tattoo is the perfect will of God, go back through this article with an open Bible and an open ear. Um, prayerfully look up the verses. You don't have to look up the verses. I've, I've listed them all out for you. I do that. I go through and copy and paste out of you know online Bible sources so that you don't even have to do that. All right here. I'm quoting it right from the actual PDF. So uh, prayerfully look up the verses before you start praying. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in all truth, according to John sixteen thirteen. Second Peter three seventeen and eighteen says, "Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest also being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your steadfastness. But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen." Okay, we're not done yet. This is next part's entitled Tattoo, the Mark of Death. In Leviticus 19.28, the Lord gives a clear condemnation of tattooings. Cuttings in your flesh um, and also not receiving print marks upon you. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead nor any print marks upon you. I am the Lord, Leviticus 19.28. And we've already said that, but we're just reiterating it. It's very interesting that Leviticus 19.28 links the tattoo with the dead. Notice that. It says, you, you shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead. And this is an excuse some people use. They'll say, well, I didn't do it for the dead, so therefore I can do it. Because I didn't do it with any dead guy in mind. <laughs> yeah, I can just see somebody say that. But, care to take a wild guess as the number one theme of tattoos. Even in today's modern civilized society. You guessed it, death. Yes, it's death. That's the number one reason people get tattoos to glorify, essentially, death. Death and darkness have always been a classic tattoo theme. Skulls, snakes, demons, spiders, spider webs, and all the conventional tattoo imagery. Dark side tattooing takes our fascination with mortality, death, isolation, fear, and evil to new levels. End of quote. And that's from the Body Art Book. Body Art Book, A Complete Illustrated Guide to Tattoos, Piercings, and Other Body Modifications, page 56. So, again, they openly admit this stuff. Um, and remember what we said before. A big reason why a lot of people get these is so that they can secure a place in heaven. Man, how darkened would your mind have to be to think that? In or to propitiate 
or to appease the malignant spirits or the malevolent spirits that would appear at the time of your death. Maybe, in other words, well, maybe they'll take it a little easier on me as they drag me into hell. I don't think that's going to uh, cut it. If anything, they're going to you're going to even get it worse. According to authors Henry Ferguson and Lynn Proctor of The Art of Tattoo, the most popular tattooed image today is the all-pervasive grinning skull. I mean, what's not Christian about that? Again, why can't we all just lighten up a little? Come on. And um, that's from The Art of the Tattoo, page 76. And this is another quote from them. And they say, Skulls imprinted on the skin abound. And depictions of the Grim Reaper are commonly seen. Grim Reaper, yeah, the Grim Reaper. Otherwise known as Azrael, the Angel of Death, which is typically protest, pro, uh, um, in, uh, illustrated as either the Grim Reaper-looking thing with the sieve and the, you know, the hood and the skeleton, or skeleton, which you see the number 13 tarot card or tarot card with a um, skeleton on a horse. It's so number 13, the card of death. Okay. Um, so these are typical ways that death is depicted. Azrael is actually known as the angel of death. So anyway, um, these images indelibly marked on the skin reflect uncertainty about the future and sublimate the pervasive fear of the unknown, possibly at the same time to wear a death's figure on one's body may be an invocation of whatever undefinable forces of nature and the cosmos that exist in an attempt to protect the wearer from such a fate. So it's almost like you get a picture of the angel of death on you, or a skull or whatever death symbol, so that you, so it will protect you from such a fate. It's so, it's so insane. You know, if anything, you're going to attract that to you. I mean, if you get a picture of the Grim Reaper on your whatever, well then, don't you think that might attract the same very spirits that have to do with death and hell? No, 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 it's going to protect me from them. It's going to be like my personal talisman. Yeah, right. I mean, that is just, that is beyond delusional. Take a tour of the most tattoo shops, shops and morbid scenes of death. Demons, serpents, hell will engulf you. Grim reapers, flaming skulls, snakes crawling through the skulls. Demons, Satan, pornography, blasphemy, naked flames of hell. Every satanic scene of hell is glorified. Why do you think... Uh, so who do you think the master artist is painting such hellish scenes in the minds of the tattooist? You know as well as I do who the real master tattooist is, and they give you some pictures here of some of the typical, you know, hell skull tattoos that are available. Incredible, over 4,000 years ago, the Bible connected the tattoo to the dead, despite our so-called civilized modern society. Death is still the tattoo's mark. Okay, because remember the Bible verse that said, to the dead? Well... Now, who in the Bible is associated with death? Who is the author of death? Who in the Bible's name was death? His name was death. It's in Revelation chapter 6. The Bible gives his name as death. Um, notice the capital D for the person. In other words, death is a real entity. And I looked and behold a pale horse, one of the horsemen here, four horsemen, and his name that set upon him was death. And he hell followed him, and power was given un, unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death and with the beasts of the earth. Revelation 6.8 Death entered into the world, Genesis uh, chapter 3, by the seduction of Satan. Satan's victory was death. No wonder his followers decorate themselves with his trademark of death. Just as the Lord Christ, Lord Jesus Christ is life and the giver of life, Satan, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, according to 2 Thessalonians 4.2, is death. And the author of death, Jesus Christ, is life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Um, John 1.3 says, I am that bread of life. John 6.48 says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Uh, John 11.25, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. John 14.6 uh, okay, that was John fourteen six. I'm sorry, uh, Acts three. But you denied the Holy One and the just, and, des and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. 
Um, this is an indictment against the Jews when they picked Barabbas over Jesus. And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof ye are witnesses. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23 uh, let's see here, John, 1 John 1, verses 1 and 2, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, the word of life, the word of life this time. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you eternal life, which was in the Father, and was manifested unto us. Let's go further. First uh, John five eleven and twelve, and this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So, see, Jesus Christ is all about life. The devil, Satan, is all about death. And tattoo in the tattoo industry, from as far back as you can go in the Bible, where it said not to mark the body for the dead. It's always been about the dead, honoring the dead, glorifying death. That by itself should be a gigantic red flag. I mean, there's so many reasons not to do this. It's, you know, could fill a uh, book. Okay, tattoo, the mark of regret. One of the busiest, business, one of the businesses booming along with the medical profession and pharmaceutical, uh, thanks to the Hepatitis C Tattoo Alliance, as a consequence of the tattoo craze is the dermatological industry. According to the American Society of Dermatological Surgery, over 50% of everyone receiving a tattoo wants it removed. Tattoo removal via laser surgery is among the fastest growing areas of dermatology. Depending on the size of the tattoo and colors used, the laser tattoo removal surgery can be very painful and very expensive. Tattoos performed by commercial tattoo parlors are much more difficult to remove because the tattoo is deeper, the ink is more complex, and thicker. It normally takes between 10 and 15 laser surgery sessions to remove the average tattoo. But uh, 15, but 25 to 30 sessions are not uncommon, depending on the complexity of the tattoo. When you consider the average single session costs between four to $800, just one of the sessions... The removal surgery can be very expensive, costing as much as $20,000. That $25 tattoo might cost $5,000 to actually remove. And may I remind you, health insurance does not cover tattoo removals. This is strictly out-of-pocket expenses. And yet, despite this enormous personal cost, many people are so disgusted with their tattoo, they'll literally pay any cost to have it removed. Plastic surgeon Tobert S. Wilkerson of San Antonio, Texas who has removed tattoos, warns, quote, If people only realized how difficult it is to remove a tattoo, understood how costly and how painful tattoo removal is, and recognized that society as a whole still views tattoos as a stigma, great word to use because that's the word it was derived from in the Latin, remember? Stigma? Anyway, they review uh, tattoos as a stigma, maybe they would think seriously before getting one. And that's from a guy that takes him off you, an MD. He even said that. He's making his money off that. And he's still saying that. Okay, so then laser removal costs a minimum of $7,000 on average per tattoo. 7000 bucks, And takes at least 10 to 15 treatments spread out over two or more years. I mean, this is not something that just happens. This is something that is a monstrosity of a process to go through. Monetarily, time-wise, pain-wise, you name it. Even with this treatment, the tattoo is still visible. So even if you go through all this, the tattoo is still going to be visible. I mean, man, it's not a good scenario here. Uh, Another uh, source says, yet an ever-rising number of people are so unhappy with their tattoos that they are willing to pay anything to have them removed. Tattoo laser... Removal laser surgery is becoming big business for dermatologists who perform it. Ronald Scoot says in Art, Sex, and Symbol that even among sailors in the Royal Navy, over 50% regretted ever getting a tattoo. And among those married, it rose over to over 70%. 
from the statistics of the Royal Navy survey, the most significant factor to emerge was almost certainly the incidence of regrets. Out of the whole sample, more than half admitted they wished they had never been tattooed. In the married group, the figure rose to around 70%. One article claims that as many as 80% of the people with tattoos regret their tattoo. And then this, this ministry said, we received the following email shortly after we published this article on the web. This is from a person that read the article and had a tattoo. And this is what they had to say. I've just completed reading your article on tattooing and the truth of it all deep and deeply troubled me. I am a Christian and like most I've backslidden several times throughout my life. During one of these times I received two tattoos. One is a tribal band on my left arm, though it does not fully circle the whole upper arm. The other is on my right shoulder the letter, with the letters MSC in cursive writing signifying the names of my best friend, his wife, and their little daughter. Even though I love my friend and his family, I deeply regret getting their initials tattooed on my body. Moreover, I seriously and gravely regret that with all my heart getting my other tattoo, the tribal band on my left arm. Being a few years older now, and 29 years old and married, there is not a day that goes by that I don't regret getting these tattoos. When I'm dressed, I'm forced to see them in the mirror. When I shower, I'm forced to see them. What makes matters worse is that I knew all along that it was wrong. I justified it with my backslidden mind by thinking such things as, quote, God only considers the heart and the mind. Uh, Physical sins don't compare to spiritual sins, and so on and so on. With my depraved and backslidden mind, I justified an abomination to God himself, who instructs us through his divine law not to print any marks on our bodies, uh, Leviticus 19.28. The woman doing my first tattoo, the tribal band, had to stop several times for mysterious reasons. She was visibly shaken and could not concentrate. She kept saying, quote, man, I need a break. Though it wasn't for my sake, I hid the pain very well and tuned it out for the most part, but this woman could not wait to get me out of the chair. She claimed that she drank quite a bit the night before I was getting the tattoo on a Saturday afternoon. But this seemed to be the most logical reason that she was having such a tough time. I can't help but wonder. However, I mean, in other words, was there like a spiritual struggle taking place there? You know, which there's a very good chance that is the the case. Uh, He says, I can't help but wonder, however, if if there was more to it. Even then, my diminished discernment was working, and I sensed a spiritual conflict taking place. When the woman had finished... She made a disturbing remark that will forever echo in my mind. She said, quote, there you go, you're no longer a virgin, end of quote. Meaning, you know, like, once somebody has their first tattoo, you're not the uh, virgin to the tattoo gods or whatever, I guess. Of course, she spoke not of physical sexuality, but of spiritual defilement against God in the form of marking my flesh. Now, I was, quote, one of the gang, one of the, quote, cool people and one of the rebels who shakes their fist at God. Now, this guy's, you know, God bless him. He's, he's, you know, honest. You know, I love that. I'm still troubled even though that I'm forgiven. My only hope is for the glorification of the body when the Lord raises us incorruptible. My tattoos stand as constant reminders of my past depravity when I forsook truly walking with God and only rendered him lip service. Uh, they will continue to be my marks of shame for the rest of my life appointed. Thank you for your article. Hopefully this message will get out to all the right people. We'll hear it and save them from the fate of my shame and regret. I would bring It would bring great solace to know that any person would read your article and avert my mistakes, which I, have, which I would take back in a second if I only had the chance. Uh, through my own research, I've drawn the same conclusions you have concerning tattooing, body modification, and many other self-destructive practices. May the Lord bless you and grant you peace and understanding. Um, before you let that ink mark you for life, you better think careful about the possible health, spiritual, and social consequences. We're back to the article now. Most people later regret and even hate their tattoos. The cost of getting a tattoo can be very high among social and health risks. What so few realize, tragically, is that such a mark or a tattoo becomes the albatross around the neck for all time. Now that's from the book Art, Sex, and Symbol from 1974. I mean, that's a book promoting it. What so few realize tragically is that such a mark, a tattoo, becomes the albatross around the neck for all time. It's like your permanent ball and chain that you get to drag around for the rest of your life. I mean, unless you find some way to get it removed. And like I said, even with the laser treatments, you can still see it. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21-23... 
It says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. I mean, obviously, there's nothing good about tattoos. Abstain from all appearance of evil. How can you, you know, go get a tattoo, display it as a Christian, and say you're abstaining from all appearance of evil? Particularly in light of this four-hour study that we just did. It's impossible. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. And again, that's impossible to do you know, with, with a tattoo. How is your body going to be preserved blameless? You are defiling the temple of the Holy Ghost. Which temple are ye as a born-again Christian? Okay, uh, And your body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So... That's the study for today. I know we covered a lot of different things. I'm sure this is going to probably step on a lot of different toes. It's not my goal or objective to offend people or to make people mad or make people hate me. But disinformation really speaks for itself. Um, and I just pray that um, you know the Lord use it in whatever manner he sees fit. So let's go ahead and I'll close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us for letting us come back together to hear, Lord God, truth, Lord, just obvious truth, Lord, regarding this particular subject and, and a lot of different facets and offshoots from the subject. Um, I pray, God, that wherever your word or your truth is being preached or taught worldwide, that you would bless it, Lord, that you would cleanse us from all presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. And I, I realize, Lord, this particular subject a lot of people do not presume it's a sin. It's a presumptuous sin that people maybe aren't aware of. And I pray, Lord God, that you make them uh, clearly aware of that, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. And um, for without you cleansing us of those things, they will have dominion over us. And that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, that as we... Uh, forgive those who have sinned against us, you would forgive us as well. And that your name be glorified through um, the body of Christ, Lord God, through uh, my listeners, through this ministry, wherever your truth or your word is being preached worldwide. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.